This is The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. They're running a strange program, y'all. Now, here's Frank Morano. This is The Other Side of Midnight. I'm superstar Frank Morano. What do you do if you're a business owner, you got a restaurant, a soda shop, an ice cream parlor, and you have a toddler that throws a tantrum? Well, uh, you know, I mentioned my brother Nicholas is in Australia right now. I'm not sure, and my uh, beautiful sister-in-law, Kat, Nicholas is, of course, Dr. Morano, the real, real Dr. Morano. And, he, you know, I'm not sure how close they are to Magnetic Island, but there is a story that has begun on Magnetic Island, which has just gone viral. An Australian mom, this is uh, in the New York Post, I'm sure a lot of you have already seen this. An Australian mom is, um, she's called for a boycott of a local gelato shop. After its owner kicked out a family of four whose children were reportedly throwing a tantrum over having to share a scoop. But her request sparked fierce debate online with many siding with the business owners. I'm going to tell you what we know. And then I want to ask you who you side with. Laura Edwards posted a video of the Italian cafe and gelateria called Adele's Cafe in Magnetic Island. That's why, I don't know, if my brother is close to there, I'd love for him to go into this cafe right now and get the owner on the phone. But Adele's Cafe in Magnetic Island, while stating that the family was kicked out because their young child was crying. So she said as she... See, this is her as she's filming the exterior of the local establishment. This is Laura Edwards. The family is getting kicked out because they have a young child who is crying in an ice cream shop, Magnetic Island. Here we go, Adele's Cafe, do not support. A small child. Absolutely disgusting. Don't support this business. Now, let me be clear. I I don't like this kind of thing. I don't like taking a small business and kind of putting a... Um, scarlet letter on them, do not support. Boy, I mean, small businesses, I don't know how it is in Australia, but at least in this country, small businesses have it so rough that I think, you know, they shouldn't be boycotted. I just, I'm not an advocate of that. I mean, unless you're doing something really egregious, but all right. So she's doing this video saying, absolutely disgusting, 
do not support, don't support this business. And you hear in the video we just played you, a child's cries can be heard in the background of the clip. But the cafe co-owner, Adrian DeLost, told a local publication, the Townsville Bulletin, that Edwards didn't witness the whole situation involving the kids crying and screaming for about 15 minutes and that he was confused by her decision to intervene. See, this is always the trouble. And I've seen this, not that this is by any means the same thing, but I've seen this with so many videos that get posted of people that have an interaction with a police officer where it looks like the police officer is acting improperly, but we didn't see what happened for the preceding 15 minutes before that. And this is what I wonder. I don't know at what point Miss Edwards started witnessing what was going on there, but... What the owner said is both children became upset when when told they would be sharing a gelato between them. One of the children swiped decorations from the counter and threw a steel flask on the tile floor. He said the kids were so loud. How loud were they? They were so loud that even my neckties aren't brighter than them. But he said the kids were so loud that it was bothering other customers. So for this is the owner speaking to the newspaper. For approximately 15 minutes, the children were crying and screaming, disturbing the other clientele, trying to enjoy their meals and the ambiance of the cafe. The crying and screaming was constant and loud. And let me tell you something. I, you know, I'm a father of a two-year-old who has been known to throw a tantrum or two. If we're in a restaurant or a, a business and he's going on for more than a minute or two, I will take him outside or my wife will take him outside. We do not allow him to stay in a restaurant or an ice cream parlor and throw a fit, especially if what the owner says is correct, that he's throwing things on the floor and swiping uh, stuff that belongs to the restaurant. So the owner says he said he politely asked the family to leave and apologized while doing so, but the father was combative And they refused to leave at first until he threatened to call the police. I walked back into the cafe to avoid any more confrontation as they became quite vocal. See, is it any doubt that these would be the parents of a a child that would be throwing this kind of a tantrum for 15 minutes? So the, the Edwards, who has Laura Edwards, this woman who I posted, played you the video of, she has three children of her own. She bashed the owner for his decision to kick the family out. Quote, It wasn't a meltdown or tantrum. My kids make more noise than those kids do. It was just a grisly kid needing some help to sort through his emotion at the time. The parents were sitting down with them. They weren't running riot. I'm curious how view that you view the situation. Obviously, none of us were there. But based on what we know, I kind of side with the owner on this one. And a lot of um, commenters online said this woman, Laura Edwards, should just mind her own business. I have to tell you, I'm generally an advocate of minding your own business. Unless it makes for a really interesting story on the radio, then I'm all for being up in everyone else's business. How do you stand on this? Is Do you think this business owner handled this well? Could he have handled it better? Would you agree with this attempted boycott from Laura Edwards. The family is getting kicked out because they have a young child who is crying in an ice cream shop, Magnetic Island. Here we go, Adele's Cafe, do not support. 
a small child. Absolutely disgusting. Don't support this business. 800-848-9222. And it turns out Dr. Morano is 1,500 miles away from Magnetic Island. So he's not near there, not in a position to go in there and ask the ice cream owner what his view is. What is your view? A question. Since before your sun burned hot in space and before your race was born, I have awaited a question. One woman told the Daily Mail, good on the business owner. I would have done the same exact thing. He has a duty to make sure everyone has an enjoyable experience. I have kids, and when they were little, if they carried on like like little brats, I would have packed up and left out of respect for others. Responsible parents should either have taught said children how to behave and show respect for others or remove them from annoying others. I kind of agree. I kind of agree. I mean, it's one thing if you're on an airplane and a child is crying and you're stuck there and the other passengers are stuck there. What are you going to do? You got to just deal. But if you're in an ice cream shop, why ruin everyone's good time with a screaming child? 800-848-9222. 800-848-9222. Tell me how you vote. 800-848-9222. It's being reported, uh, this is unconfirmed, but it's being reported that Edward J. Epstein, who is one of the most prominent investigative journalists over the last 60 years, especially as it relates to the John F. Kennedy assassination, has passed away. Uh, People on social media are saying that Edward J. Epstein has passed away. I have uh, been in touch with Edward J. Epstein a few times over the years. I don't think I've ever interviewed him. But this is a very bright guy. New Yorker, educated at Cornell for his bachelor's and his master's, got his Ph.D. at Harvard. Then he became a professor of political science at Harvard, and then he taught courses there for three years and then went into journalism. He published the book Inquest, which was really the first influential criticism, the first influential critique of the Warren Commission's probe into the Kennedy assassination. And after teaching at Harvard, UCLA, and MIT, Epstein decided to pursue writing as a career rather than rather than teaching. He wrote three books about the Kennedy assassination and really almost every prominent Kennedy assassination conspiracy theorist owes something to Edward J. Epstein. He interviewed the former CIA counterintelligence chief, James Jesus Angleton, and he had a book in the 80s called The Rise and Fall of Diamonds that was a really just tremendous expose of the diamond industry and its economic impact in Southern Africa. Before his reporting, I don't think most people even knew what the term blood diamond meant, let alone uh, knew what um, went into getting a diamond out of a mine and onto a ring. Really an interesting guy um, and and has done just an incredible amount of work. Oh, his name came up recently in the Jeffrey Epstein case, I believe. Um, and it's not because people confused Jeffrey and Edward. All right, 800-848-9222. We have uh, both Noam Layden and Brian Kilmeade coming up this hour. 800-848-9222. Let me begin with Corey in the Queens. Hello, Corey. Hi there. I agree with the uh, restaurant owner. People have to pay good money in these times. It's not cheap to go.
go out to eat. The least that you should expect is to be able to enjoy your meal in peace. And it was it was going on for too long, and these people had business to take the child outside. And as soon as it started throwing things, that's beyond the pale. I agree with you. I agree with you completely, uh, Corey. How would you have handled that situation if you were the parents? Take the child outside. Simple Just as exactly that. what you described with yeah. Carmine. Yeah, exactly. I, I, I think it's uh, to be honest. I think it's kind of outrageous for. And again, you know, who knows? Maybe, maybe we're not seeing the full story here. But I think it's kind of outrageous for this woman to post publicly to the internet. Uh, calling for a boycott. Don't support this business. Don't support. I mean, who are you to call for an, uh, you know, a small business to be boycotted? She's very unreasonable. She's unreasonable in the way she handles her child. And in the long run, she's going to pay for it because the child is going to erupt at every other opportunity. Yeah, it's a great point, Corey. Thank you. Thanks for listening. 800-848-9222. Gregory is in Ohio. Hello, Gregory. Hello, Frank. Uh, you're absolutely right about X. And you're absolutely right about DeSantis. What a waste of time on TV. Well, I, but, I appreciate that. I mean, but, clearly, if you think I'm right about two things in a row, there's got to be something wrong with you. Well, no, no. But the reason I'm calling is I used to be an aircraft mechanic. And I know why that door blew off of the airplane. The reason the door blew off is because somebody didn't install the, the, the squash washers, which is this washer that goes between the bolt and the hull that allows that bolt to expand and move with the hull. The hull expands. So what happened is when it got to 16,000 feet, it just snapped all the bolts off. Wow. Somebody did not install the, the squash washers. They're a hard rubber washer that goes between the face of the washer and the hull. Well, it's interesting, um, you know, I, John Banzaf, when he was on earlier in the week uh, talking about this, he mentioned something similar. I don't remember if he if he said specifically that, but there was uh, there was some issue uh, that he described with the uh, the bolts. Look, I'll defer to your expertise, Greg. It sounds like you know a lot more about this than uh, than I do, but um, you know, sounds plausible yeah, to me. I used to I used to work in a nuclear facility. I used to be a valve specialist. So that Vulcan rocket that's going to the moon, mm -hmm. the valve that, that went bad, mm -hmm. somebody did not install the O-ring in it correctly. And what happened is when it got cold, it leaked the propellant and it froze the valve up. Simple O-ring. Just like the O-ring that killed the guys on Challenger. Yeah, no, it's a sad story. Gregory, thank you. 800-848-9222. I got a note here from uh, Joe in Ronkonkoma who writes, on the uh, ice cream parlor situation, I agree if the kid's being annoying and out of control, the parents should remove the kid so it doesn't disrupt people's enjoyment of their meal. My kids were always brought up to be respectful. We used to take them to restaurants when they were very small. The staff always used to comment on how great and respectful um, my kids were. Well, that's nice, and it's a testament to you and your wife. I will say, though, that um, even the best child, and I, look, my grandmother was the grandmother of three, seven, and the great-grandmother of, uh, not including Carmine, because she didn't know Carmine, but she was the great-grandmother of two, four, uh, five, seven. Grandmother of seven, great-grandmother of seven. And, she, and the mother of two. And she said that of any child she has ever seen, 
in her whole life, I was the best behaved. I mean, and that's something. Best behaved. Now, she said my brother Nick was the best looking. She said my cousin Tommy was the smartest, which I dispute, by the way. But fine, I would rather be the best looking or the smartest. I didn't get either of those, but I was the best behaved. Not bad. Not bad. But even I, the best behaved child that uh, Anunziata Benigno Morano Filaramo had ever seen, even I had my moments where I would throw a tantrum as a child. So I, I don't think the problem is creating tantrum-free children. I think the problem is how you deal with it. And it seems to me that this guy's just trying to run a business and he's just trying to not have a child ruin an afternoon for everybody in the store. And if I were the parent, I would have taken that kid out. And I don't know where this woman gets off asking people not to support this business. It seems like she either didn't understand the situation or, again, I wasn't there. Maybe there's a side of this that I'm not hearing. But based on what we know, I don't think this woman's right at all. 800-848-9222. Jimmy is in Brooklyn. Hello, Jimmy. Hey, Frankie. Uh, I just want to say, you know, I, I raised three sons. And, uh, you know, I mean, every once in a while, whether it be in a restaurant, whether it be in church, you know, every three, four, and five-year-olds, that's what they do. They, you know, they act up. They, that's, you know, that's what boys do. I'm just, I'm, uh, I'm specifying boys because I did not raise any girls. Sure. But whenever they did act up and start to yell and scream, whatever, immediately I would take them outside, sometimes two at a time, and do what had to be done, bring them inside, problem solved. Yeah, I mean, Jimmy, I'm with you. I'm with you. That's how I'd like to think uh, I would handle it. Thank you. Hey, before we get to Gnome and Brian Kilmeade, Ed, what's your comment? Yeah. Uh, can you hear me, Frank? I hear you perfectly, Ed. What's on your mind? Okay. Well, I was going to say this woman is going to cause a boycott where I think this guy <laughs> is going to get more business because most people disagree with her. I I think you might be onto something here, and we've seen that before. I love that term boycott. I don't know if you came up with that or if you heard that somewhere else, but I'm going to adopt that. No, That's a good it, one. No, it's been some. It was some. It, someone else came up with it. That's but, pretty um, good. I like that. Yeah, but she she's um she's totally out of line. She she's a brat like the kid is. Yeah. Well, look. Uh, thank you, Ed. I, I don't want to judge her or these children that I've never met too harshly. But I will say, I think the call for a boycott was a little premature. Uh, Chuck in Ronkonkoma, what's on your mind? How uh, you doing there, Frank? Long time listener. Love your show. Thank Just you. A, I, wa I wanted to find out if you know anything about the Atlantic City tainted water that was going on last weekend. Well, I mean, I know there was a boil water advisory, and I know it was, um, you know, I know it was a big deal. A lot of people were, they've ended the uh, the boil water advisory, but they had the a test of the water sample showed a potential for all sorts of disease causing organisms. It was a it was a big deal. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I don't know much about it beyond that. Oh, really? Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm a victim. I, I I go to the Bogota once a month. Uh, I was down there for, I was set for three days of uh, polka, and 
I had a, a great day one. When I went to the room, I, I forgot to pick, bring water with me. So I had some water from the sink on Friday. And I woke up about three hours later with the sweat. So I had some more water, went downstairs, got sick, came back up to the room and spent two days in the room laying down. And one day, and uh, one morning in the hospital in the land of Seattle. Oh my! Oh, you really got hit. Yeah. So you know, I, I drank about eight glasses as I was vomiting, it, it, and 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 coming out from all ends. I was replenishing myself Ugh. with the water from the sink because I couldn't go downstairs. Well, I mean, so that's, I, just want, I was curious. Uh, yeah, I don't have any. People. I don't have any special uh, special knowledge about it. But uh, other, I you know, I'm wondering how many people did get sick because for them to issue this boil water advisory uh, for the for a few days. I mean, that tells you it, it's a it's a big deal. Hey, uh, you know, Chuck, uh, you know, if you have any other information, you know, if you can email me, I'm going to put you on hold. And uh, I know, uh, you know, I'm sure a lot of other uh, shows in um, you know in Atlantic City that. You know, on the station that we're on out there, would love to talk with you. Maybe have you call into their shows. Sure. So I'm going to put you sure. on hold. Uh, Matt will give you my email. Uh, you can email me. Anybody can email me. Frank Morano at RedAppleAudioNetworks.com. That's terrible. Oh, when you're basically on vacation, and I know this happens in Mexico all the time. You don't expect it to happen in New Jersey. Oof. But thankfully, they say now the water is safe to drink. No contamination found. But it doesn't help you if you're Chuck. Rough. All right, 800-848-9222. Noam Leiden and Brian Kilmeade, straight ahead. The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. With crime running rampant in New York, you need to keep yourself and your family safe. Obtaining your concealed carry firearm licenses can be difficult and time-consuming. That's where MyFirstPistol.com comes in. They'll help you secure your concealed carry license. If you're looking for a pistol, premise, rifle, or shotgun license, call 347-559-7052. 347-559-7052. You must have a valid firearm license issued by the NYPD to purchase, possess, or shoot a handgun or pistol in NYPD. It's the other side of midnight with Frank Morano. Out of midnight, I'm Frank Morano. Boy, oh boy, is there a lot of news. There's international news, there's national news, there's local news. From Ecuador to East Harlem, our newsman is prepared for it all. 
Stand by for the other side of Midnight's News. Side of Midnight and its affiliated stations present national and international news with Frank Morano and news director Noam Layden. Their summary of the world news and personal comments. Get the rest of the story. Hello, Noam. Good morning, Frank. For the third year in a row, a record number of airline passenger guns were intercepted by airport security officers before those weapons could make it aboard a flight, which is a good thing. Thank goodness. But over the last three years, each year, more and more people have tried to sneak their guns onto planes. The TSA, maybe this is more of the most troubling stat of this new survey of uh, all these TSA agents, is the TSA says 93% of the firearms found by its security officers at those checkpoints were loaded. Whoa. Yeah. So, I mean, when you look at the overall number, you could say, okay, it's not so troubling because last year the TSA screened more than 858 million people, which indicates the agency intercepted 7.8 firearms per million passengers. But the fact that they're seeing this uptick every single year, TSA agents say, listen, don't be an idiot. Don't bring a gun to the airport. Well, you know, again, maybe this is unfair, but I have not been impressed with the TSA as an agency and their handling of airport security. If that's how many they've intercepted, I'm wondering how many have gotten through. Yeah, you got to think that a lot have. You know, they do invite us every once in a while to this exercise where they'll put these uh, guns into suitcases and things that go through the conveyor belt to show that TSA agents capture them and are able to find them. And once in a while, one gets through. But um, yeah, of course, that begs the question, if that many were confiscated, how many people actually got their gun on board? So the way it works is if you are detected with the gun at security, they immediately call local law enforcement. Police are called in. Depending on what state you're in, you can be arrested and then pulled away from the airport. And they will do this no matter what state you're in. TSA uh, will take away the um, pre-check expedited screening program if you're one of the people who are part of that. You no longer will be a member of that, which is, of course, a big deal because you can get through the airport a whole lot faster. Do you have that, that pre-check? I don't because I I just don't fly enough. It's worth it. What about you? You have that? Uh, you know, I think I can get it through American Express uh, because I'm a, a platinum card. But the, And they say that it's worth it just for that. It saves you a lot of time. But there's a lot of prep work. you got to go yeah. somewhere. I don't really want to do that. There's a ton of prep work. I only think about it once I book a flight, and then it's always too late. Yeah. So. And, then, you know, if you're flying every month, then it's worth it. Yeah, but uh, if exactly. you're not flying that often. NFL fans are just fuming about this weekend's wild card game for the first time ever the nfl has put a game behind a paywall did you know about this no and it is the biggest game of the weekend and i tell you what i'm one of these people who is fuming as well it is the dolphins chiefs game and this is clearly going to be the biggest game of the weekend absolutely saturday night for the first time the nfl will air the game exclusively on the streaming platform, uh, Peacock. They made a deal with NBC Universal, $110 million for the Saturday night game. So it's big numbers for the NFL, mm-hmm. by the way, which makes huge numbers already. And fans are saying, come on, don't be so greedy. Don't take away our games for us. You're making enough money for them, advertising and all kinds of other rights. But it means fans who are outside of the local markets uh, in Kansas City and in Miami, you'll see this game for free. But if you're outside of these markets, you will have to sign up for Peacock. Now, the streaming co- service costs 
$5.99 a month. So you could sign up for a month and then cancel, but that still means you're paying six bucks to see a football game. Well, but I, I understand, though, where NBC is coming from in that at Peacock, part of the reason they paid astronomical amounts of money to be able to stream all these games is to get new subscribers. I mean, is it any different from when Monday Night Football was on ESPN? You had to have cable to see uh, to see ESPN. A little different, though, because most people, at least at the time, had cable. Yeah. Of course, more don't now. They've uh, cut the cord. But. Now that you've explained it a little bit more, Especially since I have Peacock, I'm a little less. Oh, outraged. we'll see. Well, can you share your password with me? Uh, do, you, do you have not have Peacock? Uh, you know, you know, this is the crazy part. And I think what people are so frustrated. It's not just the six bucks. Is that how many streaming services I do I oh, have? Don't get me I started. can't even. I don't even know how many I have because my kids sign up for them. And I'm paying for all different services. It's five bucks here, seven bucks here. But the point of the matter is, so you do it, not have Peacock. Is I don't I, think I do. But here, we did find a hack of sorts. I mean, it's not really a hack. But if you want to watch this game, by the way, uh, all kinds of people taking to X and uh, all these different social media platforms, just calling this a money grab on the part of the NFL, shaming NBC. Said no, you show all these other games during the season. We have to sit through commercials. That's more than enough. We hope we don't have to sit through them when we watch this if we pay for Peacock. So some people have figured out um, that um, you can uh, maybe if you have like YouTube TV, there's ways to uh, figure out to uh, trick YouTube TV to figure out that you're not in the market. Uh, my One of my kids has figured okay. this out, so All you right. can watch the game. The other way, though, is you can sign up. And again, I know it's only six bucks, but it's just the point of the matter. It's like that check that you haven't gotten oh, in yeah. the mail, right? It's, right? it's not a lot of money, but it's just the point of it all. So uh, if you don't want to pay the six bucks to watch this game, you can go over to Instacart and um, sign up for Instacart for a 14-day free service. Peacock doesn't offer any free trial. A 14-day free trial with Instacart, which is the shopping app. And part of that is they give you Peacock as well. And for 14 days, so you can sign up you know, Friday or whatever, watch the game Saturday, cancel it, and it won't cost you anything to watch the game. Wow. Uh, well, that is something. Um, well, so I use my brother Alexander's password for Peacock. I just checked. So I right. don't know. I'd oh, have to know. check with him before I can give that to you. Why don't you come over and watch the game Saturday? Oh, uh, that's not a bad idea. Yeah, do you ha- how big is your How big is the screen? I mean, it's TV? not that big. It's a regular-sized television screen. It's, oh. it's going to be I mean, big enough? Or yeah, it'll be more big enough to watch 50 it. inches? Or? I, I'd have to it's check. not even? Come on. I don't know. How big is the screens here? Oh, those are 50 inches. Yeah. They're a little smaller than that. Okay. But so, yeah, you come over. We'll if have you fun. provide the food, I'm there. Done. Done. Okay. You're on. You're on. And now you know the rest of the story. And if the game is boring, we can always turn to One Nation with Brian Kilmeade, which is also <laughs> oh, on, on. Uh, Saturday. That is nights. not. Are you kidding? Is that my introduction? Did you pre think that? Can you redo that? <laughs> if the game is boring. What is wrong with you? I have a feeling you're going to be watching the uh, the Miami. Uh, if you have insomnia, <laughs> put on. If you have insomnia, put on Frank, and hopefully you're sleeping. I've heard that. Yeah, I mean, I've heard that actually. Uh, Brian Kilmeade, of course, is a New York Times bestselling author, uh, and his latest book about uh, Booker T. Washington and Theodore Roosevelt is essential reading. Also, the uh, co-host of Fox and Friends, and the host of one of the most listened to nationally syndicated radio programs in the country. Who do you like in that game, Brian? Kansas City, Miami. Kansas City. Kansas City. Uh, Miami hasn't played well. Yeah. Uh, hasn't played well at all. Um, and uh, the weather makes a difference. Even if you are somebody that grew up in the Midwest, I feel it. I mean, I know 
Uh, if you go to a cold climate, no matter even if we grew up in New York and or upstate New York and you're used to being cold, it doesn't take long to get used to the warm. And you just don't want a part of it. So I, I think that it'll definitely have an effect. And I think Kansas City wins. Plus, this is it's really hard. We You follow sports. When you win championships, it's so hard to get up for the regular season, mm-hmm. especially when you know you're heading in the right direction. looks like you're locking up the division. And Kansas City, I think, knows how to turn it on. Um, Cleveland's favored by two and a half over Houston, or as we New Yorkers say, Houston. How do you call that game? Uh, I'm sorry, you broke up. Can you Cle- say that one I more said time? Cleveland is favored by two and a half over Houston. How do you pick that one? Cleveland, I, they've they've done. Un- I've I've, wa- I've managed to watch the, their last two games or two of the last three. I can't believe how solid that team is. It snuck up on everybody. And to think it's going to be Joe Flacco is unbelievable yeah. to Jet fans. Hey, I mean, think about this. I know. Um, he, I, think he, I, didn't, I think he had one win as a Jet. I, I think there is uh, some political news, so I'll make this my last football-related question. Nick Saban announcing his retirement as the uh, coach of uh, University of Alabama. Uh, I'm sure you've gotten to interview Nick Saban or at least meet him a few times over the years. This man's an institution at the University of Alabama. Now, thankfully, he still has that gig working for Pat McAfee. Uh, give me your, your, your perspective on his legacy as uh, 17 seasons of the coach of the Crimson Tide. You know, he said some, I, I always like, what I think is most important with him, he t- tends to address more than football. And he makes a lot of statements about life and things you do. And like he always uses that moment after the game or when they, there's a lot of attention in the beginning of the season to say things about life. So I appreciate that. He's a disciple of, of, of Bill Belichick, did not have any success with the Dolphins, has built a great program. But Frank, this is what I do know. He wants no part of what football is now. Hmm. These guys walking up to him at the end of the season saying, I'm going to the portal unless you get me more money, is, is an anathema to him. He wants no part of this new game. And he, this is what did it. And in fact, I talked to a guy he played football with, Joe Manchin, a couple of weeks ago. And they're trying to work on some type of structure because right now it's a Wild West in football. Even top-level Football programs, LSU, Alabama, they all want some type of parameters. It's out of control. Thousands of kids just go into the portal if your team lost or you didn't start every game or your coach yelled at you. It's, uh, I know that for a long time it was out of balance. These kids weren't getting any money, and if they signed cards like Johnny Manziel, they were suspended for a year, mm. yet they were selling Johnny Manziel's jersey in the bookstore. That was wrong. But right now they need structure. I, that's why I think he's leaving. I don't think he's burnt out of the job at all. The job is changing, and he wants no part of it. And uh, I have never had a chance to interview him. Oh. But I think that he'll be part of a network. He's 72 years old. He's part of a network. He'll be part of a network soon. I mean, if Urban Meyer can get a job and these other guys, uh, there'll be a bidding war for him, even though he's somewhat understated. So I, I think it's the changing game that, that he wants no part of. I had no idea that Joe Manchin played uh, football with Nick Saban. That's wild. I shouldn't be surprised, but, uh, but I, I am. All right, uh, let me ask you about the uh, upcoming Super Bowl of politics, or the playoffs of politics maybe is a more apt description. Last night we had uh, President Trump do this uh, town hall meeting on a Fox News channel. Obviously, it seems like uh, recently, just like in 2016, he's had sort of a love-hate relationship with Fox News. He's 
seems to be getting uh, pretty solid grades from Republican primary voters that watch this. I'm sure you checked it out, Brian. What was your impression? Wow. Uh, was he good? And he was relaxed. I mean, that was the guy that was hosting The Apprentice. And it just reminded me of that guy. You know, he was funny. He was uh, reflective, as reflective as Trump will ever be. For us, it's non-reflective. But for, the, for him, very reflective. He had a lot of supporters, but they weren't sycophants mm. in the audience. Um, and it wasn't, you know, what I love about these town halls, I think Martha and uh, Brett did a great job of it. It's really not their town hall. It's really the people's town hall. So he'll have follow-up on questions and have the facts and have the news. But the people really drove that story. A couple of things he did that I think stood out. Number one, he said, look. I'm pro-life, but the country isn't. And he basically said that. So I got to work out something. We can't keep losing elections. And he said it to the woman who said, I don't think you're pro-life enough. That was cool. He clarified, which we all know he didn't have to, but with most of the people, he's not a dictator. He was having some fun with Hannity when he said, oh, right. the first I'll day I'm going to build the wall one, and start right. drilling, I'll be a dictator. But they've been, as you know, Frank, maybe you don't. You don't flip around. I do. And they always keep saying he admitted he's a dictator. What one of the proof you want to need? So I thought I thought that was uh, I thought that was important. And I don't even think that he had that normal hate he had for Christie, being that Christie has dropped out, and he even says Ron's just about done. And the hot mic moment said everything. The other thing that he came out with him, he said on the seven trillion dollar debt, he said, "Listen, I was paying it down. I'm not too sure about that. But we were en route with that tax reform kicking in, but I had to flood." The, the, the country with money because of COVID. Why do people keep forgetting that? Uh, number two, he said um, he, he, he said about NATO, I'm not going to drop out of NATO if they pay. So anyone who wants to say he's going to drop out of NATO and be in isolation, he said, no, if they pay, I'll do it. Nobody really, including Barack Obama, has not expressed frustration about the rest of NATO not getting to 2%. Uh, on their GDP, two percent of their their spending on GDP. So I thought that that was I thought that was pretty cool. I also uh, thought he came out and said something that I thought was important and I hope is true. I'm not there for retribution. I'm going to be too busy fixing the country to worry about retribution. You know, even though he's come out and had fun in his rallies, that has been one of those points that his enemies have used and analysts have brought up that he's going to spend the whole time getting people back. And nobody needs that. I, I want him to defend himself. I want him to gut these agencies. But if it's personal vendetta, or it's not working sure. for the country. And he sure. made that clear. So I thought that thought he made progress there. I'm not sure. Uh, obviously, you have uh, tough hours as as I do. I'm not sure how much of the uh, Nikki Haley Ron DeSantis debate, if any, you got to watch since it was on at the. Oh, you so you did. Give me your take on uh, DeSantis Haley. What'd you think? DeSantis and Haley, I thought they had a few opportunities just to clarify each other. They're not really lying. They say Nikki Haley was tight with China. Well, when Nikki Haley was governor of South Carolina, there was a debate, even on our shows. You know, is China an enemy or a competitor? There was a legitimate debate on, in both aisles. You know, Chuck Schumer was a little bit tougher than George Bush on, on China. They say, you know, we can bring these guys in. They need the market economy. They need us. We need them. We don't need one. We don't really want another Cold War. That was a debate. That debate has switched. Just say it. Just say it. China has shown themselves. They are clearly an enemy and beyond a competitor. The world has changed in 12 years ago when I was governor. Instead, they keep saying, I, I was with China, I'm not with China. And just say, Ron DeSantis, the people of Florida do not want you drilling off the coast. 
The most conservative people don't. They just don't want to see the windmills. They want to see the Everglades preserved, the most uh, conservative person. That doesn't mean you're environmentalist and you're anti-drilling. Just say, in Florida, there's mandates against me drilling off the coast because of the need to get the, the, the people that don't want to risk the possible problems that could happen with oil spills that could uh, sully the beaches. And, you know, you open yourself up to saying, well, why is it good for this? Co-? I got it. Just go, well, listen, that's the people of Florida. I'm not looking to jam my agenda down people's throats that don't want it. And and uh, I, th- I just thought instead of doing that, they just said, no, it isn't. No, it isn't. There was a lot of bickering. And, man, if there's anything abundantly clear, these two will not be friends after and they will never run together. When you say I set up a website that says uh, Ron DeSantis is lies or whatever it is, she must have said it 50 times. It really went over the top uh, about how many Ron- – and I don't look at Ron DeSantis as a liar, even if the Trump fans are listening to us right now. No one looks at Donald, uh, Ron DeSantis and goes, liar. It just doesn't fit him. So I don't think that Governor Haley saying he's a liar over and over again really works. But listen, she's different. She came out and said, this is where I'm different. We're going to, for the 20-year-olds right now, we have to raise the retirement age. And that's different. Trump does want any part of that, and DeSantis wants no part of that. And he said the other thing is, it's worth back in Ukraine because the uh, They've killed 900,000 Russians. They just want our bullets. They don't want our fighters. And if we don't fight them, they're, they're going to be attacking NATO nations next. We're going to have no choice. It's in our interest to fight. And DeSantis won't commit to that. The J.D. Vances of the world, Laura Ingrams, those traditional, the new, I guess the new Republican Party wants no part of Ukraine. So I, she's, she's not budging from that. And I think that's where those are the two main differences. Uh, in Washington... There's been an agreement to have to continue to keep the government open. There's this uh, new spending deal. You have the Democrats and the Republicans in Congress come to an agreement on a one point six five trillion dollar spending deal. Uh, This is the first major deal that the House Speaker Mike Johnson has made with the Democrats since taking over the role. It does look pretty similar to the deal that President Biden had with former House Speaker Kevin McCarthy back uh, for, you know, last year, which led to him being ousted. Some of those same people that led that McCarthy ouster, they're not too happy with this Johnson deal either. Give me your take on the deal itself and what becomes of the belligerent folks that are unhappy with this. Well, I know that you like my show. The only show you like better than mine is yours, and you always tell me how much more you like me than you like me better than Sid. That's true. So you know that Chip Roy was on Monday, and he basically said, if this is true and those numbers are correct, I like Johnson, but he's probably there's already talk about ousting him. So I don't know if he followed through with that. If that was just, uh, you know, he was uh, he was competing. He was actually campaigning for Ron DeSantis at the time. He called in from Iowa, so I didn't spend a lot of time on this. But they, guys, I hate to tell you, he has no choice. Government shuts down works for no one. You could hold out and say, unless I get this border deal done, H.R. 2 passed, we don't fund the government. But I have news for you. They have one extra vote right now because Steve Scalise is incapacitated. He's going through, I think, a bone marrow transplant. Mm-hmm. So he's down. They won't get McCarthy's seat uh, fixed. Ron, you know, the Santos seat, is they're competing for it now. So he's got one vote extra. What do you want him to do? So he's going to need Democratic votes because people are going to bail on it. But the Congress people from New York are going to have no problem with it. Nobody wants to outspend the revenue. 
but the, you can't. You have to know when you can prevail. You know, so I don't. I think he has no choice, and I think that anybody in that job, um, including the the congressman from Montana who doesn't want to sign on to anything, if you have that job as speaker, you can be very conservative, but. You go in there, you go fight, you make sure you, you get what you need on defense, you, uh, could, the best you could do on discretionary spending. But for the most part, they agreed on the top line they got to work out the details because shutting down the government in an election year especially will destroy the Republicans. Hunter Biden showed up in Washington yesterday in Couldn't the midst of a, of a hearing. There. I think it was the Oversight Committee, not greeted too warmly by the Republican members of that <laughs> committee. Here was a Congressman, Republican Congressman from South Carolina, Nancy Mace. You are the epitome of white privilege coming into the Oversight Committee, spitting in our face, ignoring a congressional subpoena to be deposed. What are you afraid of? You have no balls. She went further... I think that uh, that Hunter Biden should be arrested right here, right now, and go straight to jail. There you go. Uh, Nancy Mace not leaving any guessing as to where she comes down on that. Um, you know, what was interesting is that when Marjorie Taylor Greene started speaking, Hunter Biden walked out with his attorney, Abby Lowell, and all the cameras followed Hunter and Abby Lowell and carried that live instead of what Marjorie Taylor Greene was saying. Is this a um, theatrical masterstroke by Hunter Biden? If not, what was this? I feel dear. I feel 180 degrees different for him to show up. Uh, he's not helping himself. Number one, because the story that he has to tell is horrendous, and nobody cares about him being a drug abuser, womanizer, hooker lover, uh, and lying about it, and lying about his laptop and suing the people that brought it forward. But it all is how his business deals relate to his dad, and see how that story has evolved. And I was on with Julian Epstein. If you go to foxnews.com, they wrote up the story. He's a Democratic attorney that used to be the attorney for that very committee. And he used to work with Abby Lowell. He happened just to be on. I was in D.C. yesterday. And he said, this is a, this is a PR stunt and it's dumb. And I go, why do you think it's dumb? He said, because it's up to the committee to decide if you're front and center or if you're behind closed doors. I don't care if you're a Democrat or Republican. Don Jr. was behind closed doors like six times. You know, and he could have said, I, I want to go in front of people. You think that Adam Schiff would have said, OK, Don, let's go in front of people. No, he waited. They, they never testified publicly. So what you do is you get your basically deposition. You talk, you know, the way it works behind closed doors. You could talk to me or you for a half hour, 40 minutes. And they go, you turn around and said, OK, uh, Moskowitz, what do you want? We'll finish up. So you go ahead and you depose and you put him under oath. Like, for example, Georges Burgess, who the hell is he? He's the art dealer. What does he do? Well, he is the art dealer for Hunter Biden. Behind closed doors, not in front of everyone, they asked him under oath, did you ever talk to the president about his son's art? He goes, yeah. Who were the pre- – did, did, uh, did Hunter Biden know the people buying his art? Because they said he didn't. He goes, he knew 70% of the people buying his art. Did you know that he was the person that got and bought his art? This Naftali woman? She was uh, somebody who got an, a, a political appointment after spending tens of thousands of dollars on Hunter's art? He goes, yes. Okay. That happened behind closed doors. Now, if you just have to filibuster for five minutes until you get to a Democrat, Georges Burgess never comes out and tells the truth about the corruption that continues with this mutant child, Hunter Biden. This guy, even after the embarrassment of the laptop, the allegations about the international business dealings is still scamming as a bad artist. 
Do you understand how bad this is? So that's why you go behind closed doors. And maybe, maybe James Comer in a Newsmax interview said, I'll take him anyway. Well, that's not, you know, that maybe is sloppy. But if you're Abby Lowe, you go out there and do a masterstroke. But guess what happened, uh, Frank? I was sitting there. You were talking about flat screens before. I was in uh, this D.C. office. The studios are beautiful. They had six flat screens up and no sound. And every one of them was covering Hunter Biden. Do you know how we would have covered Hunter Biden's uh, 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 session to see if they were going to pull uh, him in contempt? We would have ran a soundbite from a reporter. But now six networks ran that story. And then people say, honey, what exactly did Hunter do? Why is he in the news? What is going on? And do you think the president of the United States, who can't control his defense secretary, has no idea, even has cancer, disappears for two weeks, doesn't call him. He has his own staff protesting against him and his own son sensationalizing a story that we all know leads right back to him. Now they say that his never benefited financially from his son's business dealings. First, he knew nothing it, about it. It has evolved quite a bit, that story. Brian, I have to run, uh, but uh, if people aren't interested in the Chiefs, or even if they are, they should break away for an hour for One Nation with Brian Kilmeade because you have a guest, a very big guest this weekend. I'm not sure he's ever been on the show before, but I understand that my friend Sid Rosenberg is actually going to be appearing yes. with you this weekend. Thank goodness. It's going to be great. I can't wait. Uh, Sid's gonna, We're going to be live Saturday. Yes, thank and you. And the other thing, because Trump rally. And number two is just some news. Uh, after Christmas, uh, Booker T went back on the bestseller list. Oh, congratulations. Uh, Booker T. So, no doubt so go out and get that inspirational story. people to purchase that. So. This, uh, the, your show is a powerhouse. But Every, <laughs> I have more people tell me about you being on your show and Sid's show than my show. Well, so I got I to gotta, I gotta change that. that. That's so what you people get, in New York that's love what you your get show. for uh, hanging around with all these uh, late night drunks, Brian. Brian, thank you. Uh, as, as always, have a good uh, day and weekend. Check him out on Fox and Friends, One Nation, and of course on his radio show. 800-848-9222. Straight ahead. The Other Side of Midnight. Midnight. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. The other side of midnight. This is 15 seconds of fame. Mike! Good morning, Frank. I'm sad today. Quite sad. Very sad, actually, now that my candidate has dropped out. I don't know who, or is it whom, I should vote for. You're going to have to make that it. Frank Morano, good day.